Good morning. The reading is from Matthew, chapter 5, verse 13 to 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Mike. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, may your light shine in our hearts and minds that we might become more like you, the light of the world. Amen. I should introduce myself for those who don't know me. My name is Sue Collinson and I'm a member of staff here. It's a joy to be with you this morning. All this past week, we as a nation and across the world have been mourning our queen, a queen who unashamedly lived out her Christian faith. Through what she did and the way she acted and spoke, she showed others that she was a follower of Jesus. She was a great example, wasn't she, of a shining light. And when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, He's fleshing out what it means to live in God's kingdom. At the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about these things called the Beatitudes. And they, as Simon reminded us last week, are like signposts pointing us in the direction of how to live in God's kingdom, pointing us in the direction of what God's kingdom looks like. And we are told that God's kingdom is, 
is not like the ones that we live in normally. In God's kingdom, blessing is not found in wealth or health or even happiness, but blessing instead is found in poverty, in weakness, in mourning even. God's kingdom is this funny upside-down, inside-out kingdom. And I think we've seen signs of his kingdom in the last week, haven't we? We've seen crowds of people coming into our churches up and down the country. We've heard God speak of reverently and respectfully in our media. And we've seen people seeking answers for the deep questions of life. One of our clergy uh, the other day was in the cathedral grounds, um, sitting having their lunch on the bench. And someone came up to them and simply said, can I ask you what happens when, when we die? It's amazing, isn't it? Not the normal sort of lunchtime conversation. So as salt and light, we are to be influencers uh, we are to influence the world around us, the people around us. We are never meant to stay gathered, as it were, salt in a salt shaker or light hidden away in a cupboard. We're never meant to stay in our tight-knit community. We are meant to be scattered, rather. We're to bring about change, change that is good to be an influencer. That word has a greater significance now, I think, for some of us today. But being an influencer isn't about being showy or loud or impressive. In fact, it can be as quiet and as simple as a handshake. Our late Queen Elizabeth faced with Martin McGuinness in Northern Ireland someone who was part of something that had caused her own family a great deal of sadness and loss. When she came face to face with him, she held out her hand in a gesture of forgiveness and friendship. Just a simple gesture, but had such a great influence for good. I wonder what things might be in front of us where we can simply act for good. Because light penetrates darkness. That is the wonderful thing, one of the wonderful qualities of light. It shines through things. We think about a stained glass window and how light makes it beautiful. Or you think about, you know, one of those blackout blinds that you have in your bedroom but how the light seems to creep round through the, through the sides or comes under a door. Light penetrates darkness. And we know there are many barriers to light. In Northern Ireland, perhaps it was cynicism or mistrust. Today, in our parish, it might be sorrow in this time of mourning or anxiety as we face a very uncertain financial future. Or it might be a sense of despair as we think about our public services, particularly our prison and our hospital. Our schools 
our university, our homes even, can sometimes feel like dark places. And what about the darkness within us? If the light of God is all the good things that are in the Lord, things like truth and beauty and grace and goodness, then I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel lacking in them. I'm aware of my own pride or cynicism or selfishness. So when we think about our own darkness, as it were, it's good to be reminded of Paul's words, the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church. He writes, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Paul is saying that God's light has been poured into our hearts. And this light is the truth of who Jesus is. For those of us who have seen God in the face of Christ, for those of us who have glimpsed a, an idea of what God is like in the person of Christ, we have been given the light of God within us. And then Paul goes on to say, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This treasure, the treasure of the gospel, the truth of who Jesus is, it comes from God, not from us. And we are simply jars of clay, just ordinary, not very special, cracked maybe, and not particularly beautiful. But we have God's light shining in us through our brokenness, through our weakness. Light penetrates our own darkness. And God's power is seen when we are ourselves, when we are simply allowing God to shine through our weakness and our failings. I believe this happens when we're honest about who we are, when we admit our need for more of God's light, for more of God's spirit, when we are open to God's work in our lives, when we go for prayer, when we ask for help, when we are vulnerable with each other. God's light can then shine through us. Light penetrates darkness, but it also illuminates things. We talk about bringing things into the light, don't we? Exposing things to the light. The way a microscope works, of course, is through light. If the light didn't shine through the lens, we wouldn't be able to see anything. And just as the light in the house gives light to everyone in it, the truth of God is for everyone. So let's think, where is God's light shining? What do we feel needs to be brought into the light? Where is God putting us in order to call things out? Where is he putting us to expose injustice? 
to shine, on, to shine a light on something that needs changing? Where does the truth of who God is expose the lies that are around us? Let's just pause for a moment and ask the Lord, where are you shining at the moment? When Jesus says, let your light shine, he's simply saying, be who I have called you to be. From the earliest of days, God's people were called to be light. He, as part of God's covenant relationship with his people, he said, you are a light to the nations. You are to be a blessing to those people around you. You are to bless them with the truth of who God is and of his ways. So Jesus says, you are light, so shine. Light shines, doesn't it? It can't help it. That's just what it does. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden because, well, it cannot be hidden. But being light can be costly. Shining in a dark place can make you stand out. It can be radical discipleship, living out our identity as God's light bearers can, can be hard. My husband Mark and I have been privileged to visit Rwanda a number of times. And on a recent trip, Mark heard a story about a young schoolgirl called Chantal. And Chantal knew who she was, and I'm afraid it cost her her life. Uh, in 1997, just three years after the genocide, she was at school, in her small village school. It was a school, funnily enough, on top of a hill, surrounded by beautiful fields. And she was, it was an ordinary day at school, um, but that day, militia came into the school with machetes and guns. And they walked into her classroom, and they said, hand over the Tutsi children that are here. And Chantal stood up and said, we are all Rwandans, and for that, she was killed. Chantal knew who she was, and she was not ashamed to say so. She knew that her identity as a Rwandan superseded all other identities, for example, ethnic, like Hutu or Tutsi. And we know our identity. Jesus has taught us our identity. We are salt and light. This is who we are made to be. And he elaborates on that when he talks about the law. <clears throat> Jesus' first hearers were good law keepers. They loved God. They wanted to please God, to keep his commandments, to live as God wanted them to. They were trying to reach the standard they believed God had set for them. But then Jesus goes and raises the bar. He raises it so high that their hearts must have sunk. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the most righteous person you can think of, 
you will not be in my kingdom. The law of God, God's ways, are good. Jesus is clear about that. He says, I have come to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. The law was given so that we, as God's people, could be just that, God's distinctive people. A people who live in the right relationship with their creator. A people who live as he always intended them to live. God's laws are life-giving, they're good, they're sensible, they're wise, sweeter than honey, more precious than jewels. God's ways are good. And the whole of Matthew's gospel is clear that life in God's kingdom requires a holiness that is based on the laws of God. But we know that we can never be righteous enough for God. We fail too often. We are too selfish, too weak too human. And that is why Jesus gives us a righteousness that is beyond our own. The Old Testament prophets pointed to a day when God would give his people a new heart. They knew that there would be a day when God's people would keep God's law not through outward observance, as it were, but through an inward change of heart, an obedience that comes from within. Jesus is saying there is a deeper way of obedience. I'm not asking you to do more, to chalk up the amount of good deeds, as it were, but instead, Jesus is asking us to go deeper, to go deeper into a relationship with him. Jesus gives us his own righteousness, his own goodness. He gives us a new heart. When he gives up his life, when he sacrifices himself, he is giving us the life that he has. It's as though he says, I have this amazing relationship with the Father, and now through faith in me, you can share that relationship. It's as though Jesus is saying, I know how to do this salt and light thing. I am the one who preserves. I am the one who brings life. I am the one who penetrates the darkness and illuminates the truth. So come and receive my life and my goodness and shine as light for the world. Amen.